Amen. Uh, it's good to be home. Uh, I've been traveling for a little bit, and uh, it's good to be home. Uh, I love any time I have the opportunity and the privilege to, to preach uh, here, especially on the stage. Uh, gave almost eight years of my life uh, to this place, and I uh, love every minute of it. And uh, it's just good to be home. Uh, I'll be honest, when Matt asked me to preach um, a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, I was like, yes, absolutely. Because um, I've told God when he moved me, I would preach whenever they asked. And so it's like, yes, I'll do it. I'll move and the schedule around and, and make it happen. And um, I love prayer, right? It's how we talk to God. Um, it's how we talk to the Father. And I was like, yeah, that's, I love that. I'm, I'm kind of in that. Uh, and so I want to. Um, I didn't know that two weeks ago when we started the series, I would be back in the very corner back there. Um, if you know anything about me, I sit in the back because I actually don't like crowds. Um, and so it's like, hi, I have to sit in the back. And so I was in the back and I, I'm kind of a mover when I worship. So I'm not a dancer by any means, but I move and I don't want people to see me. And so I do raise my hands. I do all that. And so I was back there. I was worshiping. I was praying. And the day before I, I found out that my best friend, my brother, um, uh, Carlos, um, was in the hospital. Uh, he was in ICU. And uh, this is a man that um, was part of my Jesus walk. Um, I met him on the first day of football practice my freshman year in college. Um, I didn't know anybody, and I walk in, and here's this short, round, <laughs> dreads down to his rear. And I'm like, I like that guy. I'm going to go talk to him. And uh, long and behold, 25 years later, we go on vacations together. Uh, we travel together. He's been to uh, beach camps with me here. He's been a, several of your kids' counselors. He's um, spoke to our first through fifth grade once at a retreat. Uh, he did mission trips with some of us. He's just an incredible man. Uh, he gave up a life in business and, and making money to go to New Orleans and, and work with uh, some kiddos that just needed a great man, became a kindergarten teacher, and, and did that for the last 15 years. And I called him on Saturday, just to check on him, hey buddy, how are you? He has been battling a, a, a long illness for about a year and a half, and he said, Cam, I'm, I'm in the ICU, I'm not doing well. I said, what? Wait, time out. And he goes, but you can't come see me because, well, we have something, yeah, you know what's around. So I was like, okay, well, man, I'm praying. I'm praying right now. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying that God moves. And so I was back there in that corner. I was raising my hands. I was worshiping. I was praying. I was like, God, heal him. Heal him. I need you to heal him. He's got a lot for you. He's got a lot left. Two hours later, I couldn't get a hold of him. That's rare. Finally get a hold of his brother. And his brother says, Cam, I'm sorry. He passed away at noon. (laughs) 
This is a man that knew how to speak to my heart. I mean, this is a man that loved me, was there when my brother passed away. This is a man that my kids called Uncle Los. This was a man that would call me out in my junk. This is a man that had given his life to people. And I had been praying back there for healing and it didn't happen. And I was angry. For the next three days, I threw myself a little pity party. I didn't wake up. I stayed in bed, pulled my covers over. I was like, no, I can put on a show with my clients. But God, I am not talking to you today. I'm not talking to you. And on Monday, God would say, I remember about lunchtime, he's like, hey, let's, let's talk. You know, he's like, Cam, come on. I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Tuesday. I don't want to talk to you. He's like, Cam, just, just come. Let's talk. And then finally Wednesday, he got my attention, kind of like a mom gets the attention of, of their child, right? He's like, Cameron, we're going to talk whether you like it or not. And then finally, I just like, fine, what? He goes, my God. And I'm like, yes, you're God. Is it about me or about you, Cameron? I was like, it's about you. He goes, I just brought Carlos home. I answered your prayer, just not the way you liked. And in that moment, I fell to my face. I asked for forgiveness. Now, I'll be honest, I'm still not over it. You can tell. I tried not to get emotional because I'm known as the emotional pastor, but I really tried. But this is a man that impacted me greatly. That loved Jesus. God just brought him home. And what I realized is, is that I came to realize that who I pray to is more important than what I pray for. Do you hear me? Who you pray to is more important than what you pray for. You see, Jesus prayed to relate to the Father. We see that all the time. He just prayed to relate to the Father. You see it all throughout Scripture. Anytime you see Jesus praying, he's doing so to relate to the Father. And guess what? That's what we do. That's what prayer is. I'm excited right now, and I'm loud. I apologize right now. I've been praying for God to take me from a 10 in passion to like a seven. And unfortunately, I think we're at a nine. Sorry for you. But I'm passionate about it because this is where I'm at. I don't think it's any just through circumstance that for the last year I've been in the book of Luke. And in Luke 11, Jesus really teaches us how to pray. The disciples asked, hey, Jesus, how do we pray? That's, guess what? That's, by, that's one of the only things they asked him. <laughs> or that it says they asked him. They didn't ask him, hey, how do I share my story? Because they saw it. 
They didn't ask him, hey, how do I evangelize? How do I heal people? They saw it. But when it came to prayer, they were like, you're different. You don't pray like the other rabbis. You pray to have community with the Father. How do you do that? So that's what we're going to look at today. You see, as a student pastor, uh, for years, I had kids that would come up to me and say, hey, I want to be radical for Jesus. I think I'm going to move overseas. Great if Jesus calls you to do that. But you can also be radical for Jesus right where you are as a teacher, as a student, as a doctor, in a word. I don't care what you do. You can be radical for Jesus. The Latin word for radical is radicalis. Actually means roots. Guess what you should plant your roots in? God's word and prayer. So if you want to be radical, where's your prayer life? You want to be radical? Where's your Jesus time? Show me someone that's radical with prayer. I'll show you a radical Christian. Guess what? Do we think Jesus was radical? Absolutely. Spent three years. <laughs> three years. Other than that, he was a carpenter. How cool is that? You think he was still radical? Yes. Come on. We got to get radical in prayer. Radical in time with Jesus. And so that's what I want to look at today. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian forever. Christian for a little bit. Or maybe you're just kind of walking and you're like, ah, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I think it's important for us to look at this. This verse in chapter 11, that's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 11. If you would, stand with me. We're going to read it. I like to stand because I think we should, uh, yeah, I think we should give respect to what, what God's word says. So let's go. Ready? Here we go. It says this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not to tem into temptation. And then he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. I want you to remember that word. We're going to go over that in a minute. Impudence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a fish, but will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Let's pray. Father, you were good. You were, uh, you were powerful. You were, you were God. And I thank you for that. 
Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray, Father, that your kingdom would come today. I I pray, Father, that you would give us what we need in this time. I pray, Jesus, that you would uh, deliver us from temptation. Father, I I pray that you would guide. I pray that we would have ears to hear, that you would meet with us in this place. God, you are good in your name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to make you stand the whole time. That'd be bad. So as we look at this, I, I, want, I think sometimes what we do is we tend to look at God's word, stand on it, pick out the parts that are like, okay, hey, that's going to help my life today. I'm going to do that. But that's not really the point. The point and, and the, the lens I want you to look out of today is more like a window. I want you to look out and more see God through a window and not answers for life. Does that make sense? That's how we want to look at it today. And so it, it, it's interesting. I looked at Matthew 6, 19 through 21, and, and this is interesting. It says, do not lay up treasures or yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's what I want to do. We're going to lay up some treasures. Now, if you can look at Luke 11, okay, we we look at it. The very first thing we see is that Jesus came from a place, right? That's the first thing we see. It says, hey, Jesus came from a place. What's interesting is Jesus usually went and got silence and solitude after power had come out of him or before he was about to do something. Interesting. He usually came from somewhere. See, rarely did he pray where anyone could see. Rarely did he stand on the street corner and go, Father, thank you. That was the rabbis. That was the religious elite. That wasn't Jesus. Because for Jesus, prayer was just community with the Father. Time to get away. You see, we could pass over that, but I think it's so important. And I'll hit on it in a few minutes in, in, in the application part of, I think we got to spend time away, putting technology down, taking days off from work to go and be by yourself and pray. Yes, use a day from work. Do you hear what I'm saying? I think it's that important. I don't believe that things are put in the Bible that aren't. And so when it says, hey, he came from a place, guess what you need to do? Go to a place and pray. Now, it also talks about, hey, his disciples came and said, hey, teach us how to pray. Jesus doesn't give us a mandate. It's not like, this is how you pray. It's, hey, this is how you can do it. Follow this pattern. And what's cool is if you look at like, God's prayer or the Lord's prayer in John 17, when Jesus is praying in the garden right before he goes to be crucified, he follows what he gave his disciples just to the person. Does that make sense? It's really cool. If you want to go deeper later this week, go to John 17, study it. I don't have a lot of time to go through that. We'd be here for hours. But it's interesting that they say, hey, teach us how to pray. It's the one thing they asked. 
And so he said, all right, here you go. Follow this. Follow this. Now, the first thing we come to is, he says, keep God's name sacred. Hallowed be thy name. There was one word, I grew up on a ranch. I've told you that before. There's one word we did not take in vain. God's. If I said this and this, like, I'm not going to even say it. I would say, if I took God's name in vain, here's what my mom would do. Here's the belt. Let's go. She said every other word. <laughs> but she was like, no, 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 no. We don't say that. That's, that is sacred. That's sacred. But we love to take it out of context. We love to throw it to the mud. We love to trample on it. We love to cuss it. We love to do it. You name it, that's what we've done to God's name. And it breaks my heart. Hallowed be thy name. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things. He's my savior. He's my friend. He's my comforter. He's my father. His name is to be revered and to be respected like no other. And he's saying, hey, hallowed be thy name. Tell the father how good he is. Tell the father how great he is. Tell the father you're thankful for him. Tell the father what his name means. And so Jesus is just saying, hallowed be thy name. Then he moves on to, then your kingdom come. The chief concern here for Jesus was always the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God coming and saying, hey, hey, it's about the kingdom. May your kingdom come as earth, on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about the, the little things we go through in life. It's about the kingdom of God coming to fruition. That's what Jesus cared about. Now, here's the thing, I'm gonna tell you, if you start praying that, if you start saying, hey God, hallowed be thy name, may your kingdom come, be prepared to do something. Be prepared to share your story of how Jesus changed your life. Be prepared to be uncomfortable at work or in the office. Because you start praying, your kingdom come. guess what? He's going to use you. <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable. But his kingdom come. That's what he cared about. May your kingdom come. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom of, of God. Then he goes on to say, give us each day our daily bread. He knows our needs. He knows what we can live with. He knows what we can live without. He cares. Jesus cares. That's why we can go through this world without anxiety, without worry. Because he cares. He's like, hey, I care about the little things. Here you go. I'll never forget when Kendi and I were first married and literally broke as a joke. I mean, we didn't have a dime to our name. I had quit a job before I had a job, really smart, but I did it. And I started working at our church for pennies. 
And, and it, I'll be honest, it was one of the greatest times ever because we just saw God move and take care of things. There was one day when I, I, she called me and she was like, uh, you have any money? Cash, anything? We're negative in the bank account. I don't know what, there's nothing new there. What are you worried about? She goes, no, I'm at a gas station. I don't know what we're gonna do. I'm like, that's funny because I'm at the church and I don't have gas. I don't know what we're gonna do. And she's like, okay. And so she just started praying. What do you know? $500 showed up out of nowhere. God had laid it on someone's heart. Hey, Cameron and Kenny need you right now. Go give them some money. That's how God works. It's not magic. Do not think it's magic. Sometimes he gets you in a place where he needs you to learn to just completely say, not sure what we're going to do. We just need to rely on you. Sometimes we're there because of our own fault. Our financial situation at the time wasn't necessarily what God did. It was because I was stupid with money. But he cared enough and said, hey, I care. Ha, <laughs> you messed up again. Here you go. Do you get what I'm saying? He cares about your needs. He cares about your needs. He cares about your needs as a parent. He cares about your needs when you're single and you're looking for friendship. You're looking for community. He cares about you. He cares. So talk to him about it. He says to. He goes on to say this. Forgive us as we forgive those who are indebted. Just as we are free from God because of God's grace, we need to show that to others. Do you hear me? God's grace freed us. But oftentimes, we don't allow others to be free from it because of what they did to us. Why, no, you hurt me too bad. You hurt me too bad. I was convicted about that this week. There's some things in my life I need to go to somebody and say, hey, I need to forgive you. I need to let it go. Because God, <laughs> he lets every single, like, you, I'm forgiven. So I'm like, all right. And God said, I don't remember yours. Why do you keep remembering theirs? But we're supposed to be like Jesus. We should probably act like it. You have to understand when I talk like that up here from this stage, I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking like I'm talking to myself. Do you hear me? Please hear me. You're getting a glimpse of what happens in this head. It's crazy. But we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to forgive. Now he moves on to say, and lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Here's what I want to be very clear about. James 1, 13 through 14 talks, God is so holy, he does not entice us to sin. You hear me? But he can protect us from temptation. Okay? 
I want to be very clear there. We put ourselves because of sin into situations where we fall to sin. Does that make sense? That is not God. He's too holy for that. But he can't protect you. Call out to him. God, protect me. Protect me. I'm going out to a <coughs> the great western frontier this week out in Seattle. I'm praying for protection because sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble. You hear me? I'm praying for protection because I don't want to say anything I shouldn't, and I will, but maybe not. I hope not. Forgive me. You hear what I'm saying? Like, we need to be that real, that real. God, protect me. God, protect me when I'm with my family. God, protect me when I'm at work. God, protect me when I'm on that business trip. God, protect me at school or at that party. God, protect me. Give me wisdom. We can ask for it, he says to. He says to. And so we, we have those first four verses and those first four, they're, they're, they're beautiful because they teach us how to pray. They're very simple. But then he moves on into this part where these kind of these couple of parables where one is about a friend, literally, if you can imagine with me, um, me sitting at home and then at three in the morning, somebody coming to my house, knocking on my door, Cameron, I need you because I didn't prepare and uh, we have some guests coming in from town and um, they need some food. I know you have extra food because you had a party at your house this week. Will you, will you help me out? Does that make sense? This is the parable where God's talking, wakes up in the morning, okay? That's where I'm just paraphrasing it here. Right? And, and in my own words, I'm like, you're crazy. It's three in the morning. My kids are in bed. You just woke them up. Now the dogs are crazy. I am not happy. No, I don't have anything for you. But remember the word impudence, right? Remember that word. The, the Greek word here is anita, uh, anidia, anidia. That's how you say it, actually. And it literally means, the literal translation is without shame. It means you have integrity. So this person gives him bread because he's like, no, my integrity won't say no. You see, it's not the sleeping neighbor friend who motivates him to get out. It's the desire to be honorable and without shame. It's Jesus saying, God does not answer your prayers because of your reputation, but because of his. Sometimes we can read that and think, oh, Oh, if I just nag God a little bit more, he's getting, no, 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 that's not why he does it. Don't nag him. I mean, you can, but I mean, that's not why he's going to answer. He's going to answer it because he's honorable. He's true. He's right. His reputation is great. His reputation is what upholds the earth. Does that make sense? It's not about you. It's not about me. At the most fundamental level, prayer is asking God to be God. 
That's all it is. God to be God. Because then Jesus goes on to say, ask, seek, knock. If you ask, you receive. If you knock, it will be open. If you seek, you will find. He's telling us to ask him for things. He's telling us to search. He's telling us, hey, talk to me. It's about community with me. It's about time with me. That's what I want you to do. I want you to do that. It's important. It's important because the purpose of prayer is for our benefit. It's to open our hearts to the Father. It's to get closer. He wants you to ask. He wanted me back there in the back of the room to ask for healing. He wanted to hear from me. He wanted to talk to me. He wanted to know. He already does know. Talk to him. And so he's saying, hey, ask, seek, knock. Come on. You see, our prayers rely on God's grace. Because of his grace, we get to pray. Because of his grace, he is moved. Because of his grace, we can go to the Father with anything. Because of his grace. So he's like, hey, ask, seek, knock. And then he goes into the next parable about the father. And this hit me kind of hard as a dad. Because a lot of times I'm like, God, is that really what's best for me? Is that really what's best for me? You did that for me? You're, you're allowing me to go through that? That's what's best for me? You took my brother away five years ago. Now my best friend. That's what's best for me? I was asking, I was seeking, I was knocking. And God said, well, am I God? Would I give you anything but what's best for you? Would I give you anything but what is best for you? That's what that means. I mean, I think about that for my kids. Like, my, little, my, my 14-year-old girl, almost 15, ugh. She knows who to ask. Dad. Because dad doesn't say no. Because I just want to give. She's my baby. The boys are in trouble. I'm like, eh. I'm just kidding. Kind of. But the daughter gets whatever. She, I mean, she's just, she's my girl. And when she comes to us, she's like, Dad, can I have your card? Sure. You bet, kid. Do you get me? But there's times when I'm like, no, because I don't think you need that right now. Because I don't know if that's best for you right now. That's how God is. Do you hear me? 
Sometimes he doesn't answer things because he knows what's best. He knows the big picture. He's like, I'm not going to give you something that doesn't work what's best for you. Why would I do that? But God, I'm tired of going through it. Okay? I need you to grow. I need you to mature. Because guess what? How you handle this storm is what's going to get you through the next storm. How you handle this one's going to get you through the next one. And so he's like, be patient, friend. But how do we know what's going to happen if we never spend time with him? Hmm. So what can we do with all of this? What can we do? God gives us what we need. I mean, these last few verses aren't about what we pray for. They're about who we pray to. Who we pray to. Remember, it's not about the result. It's about the who. It's about being in the presence of the Father. It's Ecclesiastes 3, or Ephesians 3.19. Be filled with all fullness of God. Be filled with all fullness of God. I love this quote from Richard Foster. It says, the truth of the matter is, we all come to prayer with a tangled mass of motives, altruistic and selfish, merciful and hateful, loving and bitter. Frankly, this side of eternity, we will never unravel the good from the bad, the pure from the impure. God is big enough to receive us with all our mixture. We do not have to be bright or pure or filled with faith or anything. That is what grace means. And not only are we saved by grace, we live by it as well. And we pray by it. It's grace. We go to the Father. We get to go to the Father. And so what can we do? Number one, be intentional. I'm big on this word. I've heard this word uh, from a, a really good coaching friend of mine <laughs> all the time, be intentional. But be intentional, be intentional with your time. Jesus started out his ministry with prayer and fasting. Jesus stepped away and got away in silence and solitude. And whenever power left, right? We know that. I said that before. He went away and got away. Be intentional with time with the Father. Be intentional with your time. There's over 165 hours in the week. I think there's 168. You have time. We make time for what we deem to be important. Is a relationship with the Father important or not? So be intentional with your time. If you need to, wake up 30 minutes earlier. Yes, students, even you. If you need to, oh yeah, but Cameron, I have a schedule that's kind of weird, kind of crazy. You know what? I grew up, um, my dad was in the construction business, woke up at five o'clock every morning, and in order to spend time with the father, was up at four. He's the one that helped teach me how to pray. I had a dad that was a doctor. He taught me how to pray. He had crazy hours, still made time for the father. 
My mom was a single mom, still made time for the father. My wife was a single mom for over three or four years, made time for the father. You can make time. Are you intentional or not? Be intentional. Be intentional. And part of that being intentional is, is, is this. He, he communes with the Father. Why do we think anything different that it doesn't affect us? That's how we have community with the Father. We are intentional with our time. Also, be intentional with what you're reading, what you're praying. If you want to know, one of the greatest books uh, ever written was by Martin Luther. It's literally almost 30 pages long, and it's How Do You Pray? He takes you through the Lord's Prayer. Simple. But if you start praying it, be prepared. It's going to start changing your life. He took you through. He's, he's intentional. Hey, for, for a month, I dare you to pray the Lord's Prayer and be intentional with it. I dare you. It will grow you. Be intentional. Be intentional. Maybe you're like, you know what, Cameron, I've done that. Okay. Pray the Ten Commandments. But again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you, if you start praying the Ten Commandments, saying, hey, God, this is what you showed me. This is what I think you want me to do about it. Forgive me about it. What do I need to do? You get me? You start praying the Ten Commandments, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start changing. You're going to start being convicted. You're going to start having to probably maybe do some things that you're like, eh, this is uncomfortable. Are you willing to really grow with the Father and have him change you or not? So be intentional with your time and what you pray for. Be intentional. Be specific. It's simple. It's that simple. It's not that hard. The second thing, be resilient. One of my favorite stories is about Hosea. And, and God asked him to marry kind of an interesting woman who uh, just gave a challenging time. This, this, she was just a, a woman of the night and she was, she was interesting. But Hosea was resilient. He was resilient in his prayer to see her changed, to see his wife brought back to God. He was resilient. He said, God, I know you told me to do this. Here we go. So be resilient. Your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. So stick in there. Keep praying. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, do everything without grumbling. Grumbling, here's what it says. It says, therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is good, it is God who works in you to will and act in accordance to fulfill his good purposes. Romans 8, 26 through 7. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You see, if you don't know what to pray for, be resilient. Just, hey, pray scripture. Pray scripture, God, show me. Guide me, lead me. So we have be intentional, be resilient. The third thing is this, be obedient. When God speaks, go. When God answers a prayer, you can stop praying. Give him thanks, but you don't have to pray. 
Sometimes that's not fun because it's the answer we don't want. But be obedient. Being obedient, I, I can't remember what happened, but for some reason a long time ago, I think obedient turned into this four letter word. Guess what, it's not, it's a million words and it's actually not bad. It's pretty good for you. Be obedient. When we're obedient to the Father, huh, it's not passive or prideful because prayer plus action equals power. It equals power. I've seen prayer and action change marriages into a beautiful picture. I've seen marriages that were broken and then through prayer and action, God did something beautiful. I've seen that people addicted through prayer and power or through prayer and action, power and healing. It works. It works. I mean, Acts 12, 5 through 16. Can you imagine, right? Peter is sitting in prison. The church is praying for him. And then finally an angel shows up and is like, all right, hey, let's take off these chains. You go ahead and walk out. Can you imagine if Peter was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to continue to sit and rot in this cell. Man, God answered and Peter said, let's go. What if we were more like that? What if we were more like that? God hears and he answers. Sometimes the answer breaks our heart. But it doesn't change who he is. Again, it's more about the who than the result. Allow prayer to change you and not just your circumstances. And when we do that, we'll see a movement of God like never before. I long for the day when more people are praying about who God is than what he can do for them. And when that happens, oh, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Let's pray.